Today, a mother's silent treatment is loud and clear. Why are you so angry at him? There's so many issues. I resent him. But her family's truth is too painful to ignore. You have to talk about this stuff. I don't talk about it. Healing from a devastating family tragedy. Today on Mel. Across the country, coaching, teaching, and listening to millions of you face your challenges every day. And there's one thing that bothers you the most, and it bothers me too, and that's when someone you love gives you the silent treatment. And that's why we're starting today with this quote. Why can't you tell me what you feel? Because how you act is confusing me. Now, Justin says his longtime girlfriend, Jacqueline, is giving him the silent treatment and it's pushing him further and further away from her. Watch this. My name is Jacqueline. Justin and I have been together for 13 years and we have two beautiful kids. I love Jacqueline, but she really needs to learn how to communicate better. I don't know how to talk about things in a healthy manner. If I don't want to talk about something, I don't. I shut down and give the silent treatment. She does it all the time. We'll be at home, in a public place. It really doesn't matter. She's constantly giving me the silent treatment. You want someone to know that you're mad at them, so it gets the point across. It's childish. We have a seven-year-old and a one-year-old, but she's my biggest child. I know giving the silent treatment is sweeping it under the rug and not fixing it, but it fixes it in the moment. He tells me the reason we're not married is because I don't know how to communicate. Well, the silent treatment is when you intentionally ignore someone who's trying to communicate with you, and so Jacqueline, can you explain why you use the silent treatment? So I use the silent treatment because one, I don't know how to express my feelings in a healthy manner. Uh -huh. uh, I could be really angry or I can allow people to walk all over me. So it's easier to shut down and give the silent treatment so that I don't have to hurt anybody else's feelings or reciprocate any pain myself. Do you know when you started doing this? I've done this since I was a child. Even if my parents didn't agree with uh, something that I wanted to do, it was natural for me to go in my room, shut the door, skip family dinners, skip family events. I've just always shut down in moments of confrontation, especially because I don't want it to be a big blowout because then I don't know how to fix it. Gotcha. You know, there was one line in um, what you said that really stung me. And it was, I know that the silent treatment sweeps it under the rug, but it fixes it in the moment. Yes. What do you think you're trying to fix? I just think that when two people are really angry with each other or they have a confrontation, if they can't communicate in a healthy manner, then there's no uh, solutions to any of these problems. And when it comes to me, I know that sweeping it under the rug per se isn't a healthy way, but neither is screaming and, you know, fighting with one another either. And so I've always just been that way. If I feel like I, I might get angry during a situation, then I'll completely cut off all eye contact, body language. Um, I just, I don't want to talk about it. it. It's ridiculous because I know that it's like a childish quality of mine and a character flaw, but I'm just either very nice or I'm very angry. There's no 
gray area for us to communicate on healthy grounds. It's interesting that you keep using the word communicate because it sounds, at least in the way that you describe it, retreating, no eye contact, not saying anything more like you're punishing somebody. I will agree with you when I do give the silent treatment, it is kind of my tool to say, hey, I'm angry at you and I know that you know this because I'm not talking to you. So Justin, why do you put up with this? We've been together 13 years and you know, she's my best friend. We do everything together. Uh, the good outweighs the bad, definitely. How uh, often does she do this to you and how long does it last? Happens pretty often, I'd say. Uh, maybe once weekly, and uh, it, it can last anywhere from the whole day until maybe up to a week. Up to a week? It, it has, it has. It's, it's a rare occasion, but it has happened like that in the past. Where she didn't speak to you for a week? I mean, you know, we gotta get by and do what we gotta do, but hold that grudge and still remain silent and not help me progress with whatever it is that we got going on. You know, in researching this show, we uh, found that studies have proven that receiving the silent treatment activates the same part of the brain as physical pain. I could believe that. How does it feel for you when she ices you out like that? It feels super disrespectful uh, because I know I would never do that to her, you know? It's painful in a way, you know, that I should be her best friend and partner and I should be the one that she turns to to look for the comfort or, you know, but it's, it's never that way. So when you hear how painful it is for him, what's your reaction? I do feel bad and I'm not denying that I handle situations like that. Most of the time when I shut down like that, it's because there's words that are coming that can be painful and hurtful. And so shutting down before I you know, go that route. It just seems better to me to do that than to yell at him. So how is this affecting you? I've been together 13 years. 13 you years. You have children together. Yes. I mean, how is this affecting your future? Uh, when we were younger, we used to talk about getting married a lot, but that's like the furthest thing from our minds right now, just because- Not ours. Just... No, I'm, mine, I'm talking mine. to okay, you. Okay, mine. The first thing from my <laughs> mind, because of the way that her attitude is sometimes. And I think to myself, is this what I wanna do for the rest of my life? Is this what I wanna, is this the battle that I want to have for the rest of my life, you know, and it's. Well, given that you are putting whether or not you're gonna propose and get married on the line, you've already answered it. Cause you can't be fully committed in it and looking for the exit at the same time. I'm not saying you're, that you're, you know, that you're right. walking out the door. But if you've got plan B in place, that's an issue. I mean, does it bother you? It does bother me, but if we were to get married today, it will end in divorce, and we both know that. And we're trying to work on it, but there's so many issues over 13 years. Right. Marriage is a huge commitment, and I just don't think we're there yet. And I think we're both on the same page when it comes to that. I don't, we're trying to be realistic. Now. Here's the thing, in my work, and in literally coaching millions of people, and in writing and researching the books that I have published, I know one thing about behavior on the surface. 
If you've got something going on up here where you're silent on the surface when you get mad, there's something much deeper that you need to deal with. And so what's very clear to me is that you're angry and that the silent treatment isn't coming from hurt, it's coming from anger. Yes. And so the thing that I keep thinking is, what, why are you so angry at him? I suffer from anger issues in general. I don't know how to communicate and socialize with anybody that I love in a healthy manner. But why him? Um, what happened that makes you so angry at him? I don't know if it's anger or if, I, I don't know. We lost our one-year-old daughter when we were teen parents and it's hard for us to communicate ever since then. It's just, and we don't, we don't even talk about this topic, so I really am sorry to bring it up right now, but I'm not necessarily angry at him. It's just after that, I realized him and I are very different. You know, the way that we handle conflict, the way that we parent, um, you know, all the way down to our profession, but the way that we handled our daughter's death was completely different from one another. And I'm not necessarily saying I'm angry at him, but I, not, I guess I resent him a little bit. I resent that he doesn't maybe hurt as much as I do or, and I know he does. I don't, I don't know what to pinpoint it, but I take responsibility for it. Okay, well, let's stop and let's go back. So how long ago did your daughter die? So um, my one-year-old daughter passed away in 2009. And what was her name? Her name was Madeline. Madeline, okay. Yes. And how did she die? Coming up next. Do you blame yourself? I do. I'm super uncomfortable right now. That's okay. Not one person in this room is judging you. We've tried for so long to heal that hole in our heart. What do you do to heal a heart? Welcome back, I'm Mel Robbins, and today we're talking about the most damaging way to handle conflict, and that's giving someone the silent treatment. And look, I'm on a mission to empower you to break the patterns that are holding you back and that are destroying your relationships. And Jacqueline has been using the silent treatment in her relationship for 13 years with Justin. Now, just before the break, we started to address the root of the silent treatment between the two of you. And that's the hurt and resentment that you're holding onto after the death of your baby daughter 10 years ago. You have to talk about this stuff, you two, because I think what's playing out in your relationship every single day is the fact that the two of you have never processed this. And if you resent him, whether it's justified or not, that's how you feel. Right. And I'm sure you're terrified to talk about how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I don't talk about it, so. Uh, my daughter passed away because we made a mistake when we were young and we uh, slept together in the bed. We woke up and don't know what happened exactly, but it was ruled as uh, accidental asphyxiation. So I don't know if it was from uh, blankets or just, it was an accident, so. Of course. 
Do you blame yourself? I do. Anytime I think about it. I'm super uncomfortable right now. That's okay. It's okay. I just don't feel like if people understand that, then people are probably looking at us with judgment right now. I'm not. I'm not. Not one person is here. Come here, hand. Not one person in this room is judging you. Not one. It was an accident. It was an accident. It was a terrible tragedy. And you're not to blame for it. But you have a responsibility to figure out how to heal yourselves. Mel, I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. It will if you want it to. We've tried for so long to heal that hole in our heart. As you guys can tell, we can't even say her name without crying. Like, it's been over a decade and I thought, sought therapy, I've talked to doctors. I mean, what do you do to heal a heart? You can't really do anything except address it and try to move on, but moving on isn't the solution either. We're both hurting in different ways. I know he is, I know I am, but I'm not sure we'll ever get to that. You can get to that point. You absolutely can. But it's going to have to start with you forgiving him. And it's going to also take you forgiving yourself. Yeah, I'd like to say that it can happen, but I don't know. I try, you know, I try telling myself that it's, it's not at fault of mine or ours or anything like that, but there's no escaping that feeling. Sometimes there are just terrible things that happen. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. And what I know is that the reason why you resort to the silent treatment is because of all this unresolved stuff between the two of you. Yeah. You're reminding him. I think you're right. And so I'm so happy you're talking about it. And I do know because there are people that have faced horrible things in their life, horrific tragedies, and they have found the way to heal and to move forward and to love each other through it. And that's the work that the two of you need to do with a professional. Have the two of you ever gone to therapy together? I've never seen therapy. I, I don't believe in it, honestly. Well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> You're going to talk to one because we have a licensed healthcare professional backstage. Okay. And why don't you believe in it? I feel like I'm mentally strong enough to be able to get through things on my own. Bullshit. Okay, I know I'm not allowed to say that on my own, on my own show. You are strong, but this is bigger than you. And you did not talk yourself into this tragedy. So there's no way you're gonna talk yourself alone out of it. And what you need, is you need to, um, you need to be mentally strong enough 
to face the emotions that terrify you. That's what mental strength is. I don't wanna see you torture yourself and blame yourself for the rest of your life. First of all, you deserve more, and you guys have two beautiful children, right? What are their names? Gemma, uh, she's turning eight, actually. Yep. A couple days, and uh, Giovanni, he's just over one. So your daughters, your daughters, daughter and uh, your daughter and son, yes. excuse me, no, your daughter okay. and son deserve a dad that is doing the work to heal himself. I see somebody that is carrying like a Sherpa, a thousand pounds of grief on his back and regret and blame. And I want you to commit to me that you are going to do the work together to put that on the ground. I see your lip, what are you thinking? No, just, just thinking about it all in general. What are you thinking? Thinking about my daughter and uh, just any time she's brought up, you relive a little bit of that and uh, thinking about help and what would I'm, she want I'm, you to do? Of course, I'm willing to give it a shot and try to help myself to help us. But uh, I don't think anything will be able to take that feeling away, you know? But, it won't. And you will never not think about it. But it won't have the grip it has on you. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay. It would be nice. It would be. And this is not the last time I'm gonna see you two. I wanna make sure that we follow up on this, okay? Awesome, we'll be right back. Up next, are you stuck in the I'll do it tomorrow trap? And it's just a cycle that I haven't been able to break. Like this 10 pounds is something I just can't shake. I can't get it off. You know, I can relate because I hate exercising. And later, are you a change junkie like I used to be? My kids are here today to tell you what I used to do. So I'd come home from school. I know, I'm sorry. I, I did have this bad habit. Hi, I'm Mel Robbins. I'm a best-selling author and life coach, and I love a good quote. And this one really stood out to me. Tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. How often do you find yourself saying, I'll start that diet tomorrow. I'm gonna get to that laundry tomorrow. I think I'll finish that project tomorrow. Putting off your goals until tomorrow is what I call the tomorrow trap. And some of you have been stuck in this trap for years. So five days ago, I put up a post on melrobinshow.com asking you to nominate someone that you know who's stuck in the tomorrow trap. Let's see who got nominated. Hi, Mel. I need to nominate my wife, Ashton, for your Tomorrow Trap Show. She's been saying she's going to get her envelope date business off the ground forever. It's always, I'll definitely do that tomorrow or I'll do that next week. But it, when tomorrow comes, it doesn't happen. Help, Mel. Hi, Mel. I want to nominate my best friend, Madeline, for your Tomorrow Trap Show. She's been pursuing her dream of being a writer forever, but keeps not taking the necessary steps. She's always saying, I'll get to it, just not today. Mel, please help her. Hi, Mel. 
I would like to nominate my daughter, Talisha, for your Tomorrow's Trap show. She has been talking about exercising, eating right, and losing weight for about six months now. She'll say, I'll start that diet tomorrow. Mel, she needs your help. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. So let's meet Ashton, Talisha, and Madeline, who are stuck in the Tomorrow Trap. So Ashton, you were nominated by your husband for being stuck in the tomorrow trap when it comes to your business. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell me what's going on? Okay, um, last year I quit my job to uh, launch my envelope date night business, which is a date night planning service. Oh, and congratulations. Thank you. Um, and every single day I wake up with all the best intentions to conquer my to-do list, like reaching out for networking events and going to tech conferences, even as simple as sending an email. And every day time goes by and then I'll say, I'll just do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into Friday, which you can't work on Friday. So then you have to wait until next Monday. And then it's just an, a cycle that I haven't been able to break. Wow, and it's been a year and a half? It's, I've made progress, but within that year and a half, I don't feel like I am where I want to be. Then I'm glad you're here. Thank you. So, uh, Talisha, yes. your mom nominated you for being stuck in the tomorrow trap when it comes to diet and exercise. That's so why don't you tell me what's going on? So I'm trying to lose this 10 pounds that I've been putting off for the past six months. I told myself that I'm gonna eat right, I'm gonna exercise. I've been watching the latest diets, the new fitness things. And the thing is, I will tell myself I'm gonna exercise. But when I say exercise, I'm not saying go to the gym. I just wanna go for a walk. Yeah. I can't get myself to get up and go for a walk. I always snack or sit in front of the television. I just feel like this 10 pounds is something I just can't shake. I can't get it off. And you can't find the motivation in the moments. You're like, I I'll mean, deal with this tomorrow. Yes, that fire needs to be put up. Yes, I, you know, I can relate because I hate exercising. Yeah. Hate it. If you follow me on social media, you will see, oh, here I am. <laughs> yes, this is me uh, basically pushing myself to do it. I do this thing called do it anyway because I never feel like it. So I can relate to that, I hate. Like you have to either be chasing me or screaming at me okay. for me to be breaking a sweat, you know what I'm saying? So I can totally relate to that tomorrow trap too. Yes. So Madeline, you were nominated by your best friend right. and you are stuck in a tomorrow trap when it comes to finishing some writing project. Tell me what's going on. So I, my biggest dream is to be a screenwriter. Okay. And I've written a pilot and I have a draft, but I'm not really happy with how the draft is. I'm okay. not happy with submitting it as it is or trying to pitch it to people. But I also can't seem to put on the, all the final touches that are needed to, in order to take those steps. So. And you know what's amazing <laughs> about that story is you've already gotten it this far. It's the last couple inches that have fallen into the tomorrow trap and are gonna derail this thing. You know, I, can, I have a tomorrow trap myself and it is photo albums. So my family went on a trip last December and that photo album will get done tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It was supposed to be my dad's birthday present in August and that went into, maybe it's gonna be in the never trap, I don't know. But I do know what's going on when you start to fall into the tomorrow trap. And when we come back, I'm gonna teach you how to escape the tomorrow trap using a little science. Stay with us. Coming up next, whenever you're procrastinating, we know something's true. You're actually feeling stressed out. You're about to send that email. You start to feel stress and you wanna close the laptop. Right, here's what we're gonna do. And later, 
Are you addicted to change? You keep zigging and zagging to all the same places. What are you running from? Hi, I'm Mel Robbins, and today's quote really nails it. Tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. And I'm here with Ashton, Talisha, and Madeline, who have been nominated for being stuck in what I like to call the tomorrow trap. And this is a pattern of constantly putting off things until tomorrow. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The driving force behind the tomorrow trap is procrastination. So, Madeline, has anyone ever called you a procrastinator? Yes. Um, when I was in elementary school, I would always get called out uh, for looking out the window too much by my teachers and turning things in late. And, yeah, I am definitely a procrastinator. <laughs> okay. And, you know, here's the good news. Procrastination is a habit. And I'm going to explain this, because once you learn... This changed my whole life, literally, learning what I'm about to teach you. So your ability to get your work done, it, you can totally get it done. The problem is, is you have a habit of procrastinating when you're stressed out. Okay. And I'm going to explain this, okay? Because there's been a ton of research done on procrastination, and procrastination isn't avoiding work. Procrastination is the way that you guys relieve yourself of the stress that you're feeling. So, Talisha, you're kind of nodding your head. Yeah. How does it feel when I explain that your inability to push yourself is a way for you to actually relieve yourself of feeling stressed? Well, I feel like by putting it off, you're taking it off of you. And that's what we do when we're stressed. Yes. We put things off. Yes. So that is definitely a way of relieving stress. Yes. Procrastination. Yes. And I think we spend so much time talking about procrastination as like, I'm avoiding it, I'm weak, I have no willpower. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Whenever you're procrastinating, we know something's true. You're actually feeling stressed out. Right. And so I'm going to show you using science the only way, based on research, to break the tomorrow trap and to replace the habit of procrastinating. Because what you're looking at right here is something that I call a habit loop, and I'm gonna explain this in a second, okay? Habits all have three parts. The thing that triggers you, the pattern you repeat, and what you get from doing that pattern, okay? And so we've already said that all three of you, when you're a procrastinator and that's your pattern, the trigger is that you feel stressed. And the pattern that you have right now is to avoid doing what you need to do. So let me explain how we're going to break the pattern using science, okay? And I'm going to use you, Ashton, as the example. So give me a specific example. Put me right at the scene at your house. Okay. What is it that you got to do in order to move your business forward? Something simple. The simplest thing that I can think of is I just need to send some introductory emails. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know how to do that. Absolutely. You have done that in I the past. I have a draft. It's oh, just she a has copy, a draft. Paste, send. Yes, it's so frustrating, mm -hmm. right? Because you're like, why the heck can't I send the damn email? Mm -hmm. Why is this a problem? Though well, here's what's happening you feel stressed. Right. And instead of sending the email, you avoid it. Right. And when you blow off sending the email, what do you feel? You feel a little, a little bit more relaxed, mm -hmm. right? So your mind, once this pattern gets learned, every time you feel stressed out, you're going to blow off what you need to do. The only way based on science is to change the pattern when you're stressed. And here's how you're going to do it. Okay, where do you send emails? Where in your house? Describe where you're going to be tomorrow. Uh, in my family room. Okay. On my comfy couch. Gotcha. 
You're sitting on the comfy couch. You're in your family room. Mm -hmm. You got the laptop open. You're about to send that email. You start to feel stressed and you want to close the laptop. Right. Okay? Right. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to use the five second rule. Count with me. Five, five four, four, three, two, two one. one. To enter or up the pattern. Now, what are you going to do instead of avoiding the email? Sending the email. Yes. Here's another tip. Okay. The next time you catch yourself avoiding going to the gym or avoiding sitting down or avoiding sending the email, ask yourself this question. What am I stressed about? Simply asking yourself this, what you're stressed about will lower its hold on your body. Then go five, four, three, two, one. You're going to do the email. You're going to take your walk. You're going to spend 10 minutes. I just want you to do one thing because based on the research, if you do one thing, you'll keep going. I think that's where I struggle a lot because I think of one thing and then I think of 12 other things mm -hmm. and then I try to scatter and do everything at one time and then I get what do you feel? super stressed, yep. avoid everything, yep. and then sit down with my dog and watch Real Housewives. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> so next time, what are you going to do? I'm going to 54321, yep. and I'm going to send the email. Great. And if you feel really stuck, ask, ask yourself, what am I stressed about? It lowers its hold. And look what happens. When you send the email, how do you feel? Relaxed. So and you, it's a better type of relax because I'm not worried about starting that cycle back over again. Boom. Your brain doesn't know the difference. So now what you're doing is you're training yourself whenever you're stressed. Instead of letting your stress derail you, you now are in control. You go, what am I stressed about? Five, four, three, two, one. You're going to exercise. You're going to do whatever you need to do. You're going to feel relaxed because you did it. Boom. The only thing we changed is the pattern. Now you're in control. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Up next. So what do you think you're running from? I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. When you're running away from something, it chases you. Hi, welcome back. I'm Mel Robbins. I love this quote. You'll eventually ruin a good thing if you're always questioning it. Now, this is especially true for what I call change junkies. This is a person who is addicted to change. And I was guilty of being a change junkie, particularly when I was unhappy. And my kids are here today to tell you what I used to do. That's right. That's right. And I, I think Oakley's going to speak for everybody, since you two yeah. don't want to be uh, talking on camera. So whenever you were unhappy, I would. In the I past. Would, in, right? the past okay. in the past. I'd come, I'd come home, and all the furniture would be different every single day. Not, not not like new bought furniture, but rearranged in the house. So I'd come home from school, I'd go to sit on the couch, and I'd be sitting on a lamp. And I, it just got so out of hand, and it was crazy. Did it embarrass you that I did this? Well, you're trying to embarrass me. <laughs> um, well, none of my friends really knew it, so not really. Not really. It was just really very annoying. You? Oh, it was, I, I know. I'm sorry. I, I did have this bad habit of changing the furniture around. This is actually my family. This is my husband, Christopher. This is Kendall and Sawyer. And thank you, Oakley. And you know, the thing is, is that when Chris and I were going through a really hard time 10 years ago, it was so much easier to try to change my living room than to fix the bigger problems. And that's, I think, why I would always do it, is I, you know, I kept myself busy. And I'm not alone in being a change junkie. Shantae is also a change junkie. Here she is. 
Yes, she's laughing. She's laughing. Uh, Shantae, how many states and cities have you lived in? States, probably at least six. Cities, at least 12, but moving, I've moved within those cities and that is countless, I can't even keep track. Wow. And you know, let's take a look because it's not just six states. She's actually gone from Illinois to Hawaii to Arizona to Utah and back to Arizona, then back to Florida, then back to Arizona again, then to Nevada, then to Hawaii, then back to Nevada, then Arizona, and then Nevada again, which is where you currently live. Yes, that's correct. You must have a hell of a lot of frequent flyer. I do. I love being oh, in the air. How? <laughs> well, you know what's weird about it is you keep zigging and zagging to all the same places. Right. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, and do you do the same thing in relationships? I actually have not held a relationship for a very long time, at least 13 years. The, I think the longest in 13 years has been three months. And how many different folks have you think you've been in a relationship Oh, with? gosh, Mel. <laughs> we don't have time for that. Okay, you know no, what I'm saying? I can't, no, I can't count. And do you do the same thing with jobs? Yes, uh, that's has been the longest run. How many? I've maybe stayed at a job, maybe two and a half years is the longest in my lifetime. And I'm in, I'm in my mid 40s, so that's probably at 20 something or more jobs. Actually, we made you your resume. Oh gosh. <laughs> I hate filling out applications because that is okay. so daunting. <laughs> well, look at this. There's actually almost 40 different oh, things wow. on this list. A medical records auditor, uh, you are a patient assistant program person. You, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Who the heck is hiring you for all this? <laughs> I'm a Jill of all trades. Yes, so. you are, a Jill of all I'm, trades. I'm good I when I'm that. there, I just don't stick around. Now, you don't need to be a therapist to know something's going on here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What are you running from? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, the reason why I ask that is because, you know, Oakley told the story about the furniture arranging. And you know, when we were facing bankruptcy and Chris and I were fighting like crazy, it was a way for me to run from our problems and just try to change things in the living room, distract myself. And when I was younger, in my 20s, uh -huh. I would literally jump from one relationship to another. And the reason why is I had a lot of anxiety. And so the new relationship became the most fantastic distraction. I mean, come on, there's nothing better than a new relationship Right. Going grocery shopping together is like the most fantastic date you've ever had because you're like, oh, love. But as soon as it got normal mm. and the relationship got into that kind of groove where it just was what was my life, the anxiety came back. And so I would literally go, there's something wrong with the relationship. This dude is making me anxious. Mm -hmm. And I'd look for a new one. Wow. And so... You know, the thing is, is that if you can't get this under control, how do you think this plays out? I honestly, Mel, I imagine myself being homeless and being a bag lady on the homeless. street asking for change, which you guys better give me change if you see me. <laughs> I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but that's the first thing that pops in my head if I don't get this under control, so it's... Gotcha, okay, well, constant change is a distraction that I think you're using to deal with something deeper. So up next, I want to teach you how to get rid of that habit of running away from a deeper issue. We'll be right back. I'm here with Shantae, who's what I call a change junkie. 
someone who's addicted to change. That was me, too. Uh, she's moved across the country to six different states, and she's had 11 relationships and has changed her job over 40 times. Shantae, sitting here today with me, do you have the itch to change something in your life again? I actually am. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> okay. I actually am. What are you thinking about doing? Um, every morning I've been, right now I'm living with my sister. Okay. Because the change. Yeah. Um, but I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll move to Austin. Maybe I'll move to New York. Maybe I'll move. I don't know. I just need to move. You need to be on the move. I, I have to constantly be on the move or I feel like something either catching up with me or I feel like I'm missing out. I, I don't know what it is. Huh. And do you live with this itch constantly? I or do. It and it's constantly. a physical, like, it'll, it'll hit me right in the pit of my stomach. And then if it's not handled, then I get angry and I'll lash out at people. What do you, oh, so you get angry and lash out? Not, in a, not in a violent way, but, you know, I'll yell at her dog or something. Gotcha. Yeah. So what would happen if you just stayed put? Oh, I... The thought of it makes me nervous. Like the I just concept, saw that in your face. The concept of, of, of being with someone or in one place for like 30 years or 20, one job for 20, it, it literally makes, makes me nervous. I have no idea why. I can see yeah, that. I, I don't know why. You, you kind of got a little upset when you said that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see it in your eyes. So what do you think you're running from? Um, I don't know. Um, it could be, I mean, I can't run for myself, you know, because that's what I was doing, by the way, in my relationships. Like, I, I did not want to deal with the fact that I hated myself and that I had a lot of stuff I needed to deal with. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, please don't apologize. Like, this is, this is the real conversation that you need to deal with because what I found is what you're going to find. Okay. And here's what I found, that when you're running away from something, it chases you. And that's why it didn't matter how awesome the guy was or horrible or whatever in terms of the relationships that I was in, mm -hmm. because I was running away from the biggest problem, which is I didn't love myself. And so I had to do the work to figure out how to love the person that I am and that I'm becoming. I had to do the work to figure out how to forgive myself for the mistakes that I made. I had to do the work mm -hmm. to start to learn how to trust myself that no matter what was happening, I would be able to figure it out and I would be okay. And so I think that the fact that this is making you have an emotional moment and be upset is the truth coming to the surface. And, you know, every one of us is working on learning how to love ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Mm -hmm. It's a lifelong process. But what I want you to do, you're welcome to move to Texas or to <laughs> Arizona, and you're welcome to do whatever you want, and you can keep on changing. But I would like you the next time that you get the itch, use the five-second rule to stop the impulse to just do it, five, four, three, two, one, and then ask yourself, am I running toward something or away from something? And if it's away from something, I want you to know that that's a moment where you're going to go in and you're going to start to realize, okay, I just have a little bit more work to do. That's all. Okay. And I want you to know I love you. Thank you, ma'am. I'll be here cheering for you. And I know that when you slow down long enough to really learn how to love yourself for who you are and who you're not and all that stuff, I know that all of that itch is going to go away. 
And what you're going to find is what I see, a very beautiful, amazing lady. Thank you. You got that? All right, we'll be right back. Give me a hug. Aww. I so relate to you. <laughs> Thank you. the last segment of the show. We call it The Goodbye. And goodbyes are never easy, but you can always find a little good in them. So I want to share an update with you about a woman named Shauna, who's asked me for help to deal with her know-it-all friend, Rise. Now, Rise learned that you look more confident when you say, I don't know, instead of being a know-it-all. Now, since appearing on the show, Rise has toned down her know-it-all ways, and she wanted to tell us all about it. Watch this. Hey Mel, it's Rise here. I want to thank you so much for having me on your show the other day. You gave me some really life-changing advice. I've been using I don't know for my know-it-all syndrome the past couple of weeks and I would have to say that it saved me some friendships and definitely helped me in some more job interviews and stuff. Being able to just relinquish the strength of wanting to own it all and know it all all the time was actually hurting. And I've actually given the advice to some people in my family. So we all thank you so much and I'm doing pretty great with it. Oh my gosh, Rise, that's so awesome. And finally, in case nobody else has told you today, let me be the first person to tell you that I believe in you and your ability to change your life for the better. And that's why I'm here cheering for you five days a week on The Mel Robbins Show and reminding you that whatever it is that you're facing, you got this. I'll see you next time. All right!